Morning all, it is Wednesday, September 21, Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio, and a very good morning to you wherever and however you are listening. We have a bumper show today. Dick Fain, of course, after 6 o'clock. Jared Crouch, Sydney Swans Premiership player from 2005, just after 6.30. Pengilly, Damien Cook, ahead of yet another preliminary final for Cookie after 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, we've got Dean Young, the Cowboys assistant coach. Brad Davidson, Dean Bulldog, Richie, Alex Brosk as well. A Network 10 commentator, of course, former Socceroo and Sydney FC striker with the Socceroos playing New Zealand. is the first of, uh, well, two friendlies tomorrow night, that game is. But uh, we're looking ahead to these prelims. Lance Franklin spoke yesterday ahead of the Swans grand final. All happening, Loza, morning to you. Yeah, morning to boys. Um, yeah, looking forward to the AFL grand final on Saturday. Um, Swanee's taking on Geelong. The Swans would have got a big boost yesterday, bouncing into training, knowing that Buddy's committed to them for another 12 months at least. He was 50-50 on the decision whether to run around or not, but uh, I reckon that he'll be primed for a a big game in the grand final, but taking on Geelong, who have been a a wonderful club. Um, They've always been there or thereabouts, even though they've only won that one premiership in the last decade, but... Yeah, Chris Scott's done a remarkable job, as has John Longmire, to take the Swans to their fourth grand final. So um, we're all hoping up here that Sydney can win and hopefully add another premiership uh, trophy uh, to their cabinet. And then we move on to the rugby league and what some good games this weekend. Um, you know, Parramatta up there in North Queensland taking on the Cowboys. The teams were announced yesterday. You've got South... Taking on Penrith, um, this big juggernaut from out west, Penrith. They're going to be hard to boot. But South coming to the semi-finals the first time in a couple of years with Latrell Mitchell in their side. They've got a couple of injury concerns. We know that Avili is out. Jai Arrow has confirmed that he'll definitely play. And Alex Johnson, there's still a bit of doubt about whether he'll take the field or not. I don't think there's too many surprises in the announcements of the teams. Um, but we wait over the next couple of days and hopefully both sides go out there as... As, as named, and we see a couple of good semi-finals. Pup, morning to you, mate. We're waking up to an Aussie victory in India overnight as well in the first 2020 international in a very high-scoring game. Six for 208, India posted, and we ran them down. Uh, got there with four balls to spare, and uh, Cameron Green, top of the order. He's not even in the squad for the 2020 <laughs> World Cup. 61 off 30 balls. Matthew Wade, 45 off 21. Tim David did make his debut as well. Came in at number three, four, five, six. Came in at six, 18 off 14 balls. But morning to you. Yeah, morning, boys. Morning to our listeners. Uh, yeah, good win from the Aussies. Uh, India in India in any format. Be- beating them is a good start, good sign. So, again, um, really positive leading into this T20 World Cup. India will be disappointed losing at home. Um, yeah, Cameron Green um, continues to get better. Can bat anywhere in the order. We've seen what he can do with the ball and in the field as well, Mido. So... Um, I wonder if the Aussies are just questioning not having him in that World Cup squad. Had a pretty good uh, short-form uh, one-day series as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's The advantage of someone that can bat bowl field in T20 cricket, I reckon, is so important. And when you can bat anywhere in the order, uh, he's got a good technique, he's got good power, uh, and he's in good form. So uh, interesting to see uh, what they're thinking. But in regards to the result, spot on for Australia leading into this World Cup, which is not far away now. Jonathan Thurston, Cowboys legend, pouring the pressure on Parramatta. He says the pressure is on Parra because their premiership window is closing, he said on 100% footy last night. So 
uh, some of the ex-players getting involved now, pouring the heat on. That's what we want to see ahead of a couple of big preliminary finals. But there is this feeling around Parramatta that it's now or never loss. Well, yeah, I mean, when you look at this team and you look at who's moving on at the end of the year, you would suspect that it could be uh, their final chance. You've got Rude Marnie moving on. You've got Isaiah Papali uh, moving on. And they've been two wonderful players for this club over the last couple of seasons. They go up to Townsville where they haven't got a great record. It'll be warm up there. Uh, while it won't be at the hottest part of the day, the humidity will be, be massive um, and the Parramatta side, in particular, their big forwards will feel it at some stage. They've got to be able to to start fast and and play well. This is a difficult game to assess because I think both teams at their best uh, are capable of pushing Penrith, um, but I'm just unsure of which way I'm going to to lean in this game. Um, Parramatta, I've always thought that they've got the game style to beat Penrith, but I just haven't seen it consistent enough. Uh, the Cowboys, I think the week off has certainly helped them. I, I think it's helped them. There were signs there in that first semi-final that I thought, ooh, they may be coming to their end of their run here because both teams in that game conceded 30 points. And when you're conceding that many points in the first week of the finals, um, that's not good. Um, but they are at home. They've had a week off. They've got a number of players that were exposed to state of origin this season but it might be just a bit too uh, much for them this this year. But I, I, I honestly, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know which way I'm sort of leaning yet in this game. I'd like to be on Parramatta. I think they've got the more experienced team. But the week off is probably a massive advantage for the Cowboys and playing at home. Playing at home in those conditions, you would think that they will will, will be hard to beat. Yeah. And uh, they're still slight favourites in that market. Uh, as of last night, $1.72. Parramatta, $2.15 in the market for that game. And uh, about 60% of the hold is for Parra, though. That's no surprise. Always popular with the punters, uh, particularly funny league punters during the week. Love to back the outsider. And then the money comes for the favourite as you get closer to kickoff. You see it nearly every week as far as the holes are concerned. In the AFL grand final, though, Loz, avalanche of money for the Cats. They're $1.55 into $1.47. The Swans, two forty-five out to two seventy. Eighty-three percent of the hold is for Geelong. I'm a bit surprised by that. Mm, don't I. I, th- I thought Sydney's performance last weekend... They were great. I mean, the, the last quarter, sorry, uh, they were just hanging on, but I think they would have taken a lot out of that game. And in particular, if they get to a lead, not to try and protect it. I think that's one thing in sport teams try and do too much. They get in front, they try and wind down the clock, but in today's environment in league and AFL, you can score really quickly. Um, so that's a good learning for the Sydney Swans. But taking on this Geelong team, they've got plenty of firepower all over the paddock. And I suppose, you know, you know, parochialism down there in Melbourne. Um, you know, they're more into it than what we are up here in, in Sydney. Um, and Geelong have been the standout side all season. You know, they finished the home and away season, I think, two games clear of the next best team. Um, they've got superstars right across the ground, um, Dangerfield and Selwood. And, um, you know, those two guys in particular have been leading the way for a long period of time down there at Geelong. They drive the standards. Uh, but, you know, the Swannicks, they've, they've, they've achieved well this year. They get one more crack at it. Buddy re-signing throughout the week for another year. 
uh, they'll go into this game giving themselves a real shot at winning another premiership. Just back to Parramatta, I don't know if you saw Denny Widely uh, did an interview with Isaiah Papali'i last night on Nine News. I'll tell you what, Tigers fans and Tim Sheens and Benji Marshall, eyebrows raised again. I mean, it was put to him, you know, about his future and going to the Tigers next year. Then he put it to him. He showed little enthusiasm. Little enthusiasm. He said, there's nothing I can say about my future at the moment. I hardly have... Well, he's having a regret. He's having a regret <laughs> signing with the Tigers. And why wouldn't he after seeing the season the Tigers had? But the Tigers have him signed to a contract and without their blessing, he's going nowhere. He's going to have to go and play with the Tigers unless they can come to some type of an agreement um, where they release him. Um, but again, the other side of it too is that he might have been just saying that I just want to focus on this game. I'm not distracted by what I'm doing next year. All I'm about is being all in with Parramatta, trying to win this game, get through to a premiership and try and play as well as I can to deliver this club before I leave a, a, a premiership and, and get a premiership ring myself. But it doesn't sound convincing that he wants to go, but the fact that he signed a contract and the Tigers will hold him to that contract means most likely that if he can't come to an agreement with Tim Sheens to be released, then he's he's going to have to go. He's got to go, Clarky. Got to oh. go to your club. Don't sign the contract. But that's the other thing as well, like... Uh, you get to a stage where, you know, teams release players because they think, well, we don't want them to come with that attitude. They don't want to be here. But the other thing as well, he might, he just mightn't want to say anything now to stir whether it's, you know, just an article leading into what Parra's got. It might just be, let me just leave it for now and worry about it at the end of the season. But there's no doubt if he's, if he's not jumping for joy, there's obviously concerns. He's obviously changed his mind, but... Yeah, if I'm Tim Sheens or the Tigers, I'm saying, mate, you signed a contract. You better enjoy it because you're coming. Fish and Clips. Headline, Mac Page, Daily Telegraph. Bunnies urged to whack Panthers super boot Cleary. And a big picture there of, uh, well, his big protector, I guess, James Fisher-Harris. And uh, Mark Spadcarrell interviewed for this article. And he just says, go out and whack him. Easier said than done, Loz. Yeah, it is, and you've got to be Such careful. Such a spud thing to say. Yeah, oh, I love spud. I love spud. And he's correct, though. He's correct. You've got to try and apply pressure, but it's a difficult job being able to do it. And they do have those blockers in place, Penrith, and you've got to have inside pressure. That's the key. And the people on the inside are your forwards. And your forwards, they do a lot of work. That's, that's the issue with it. So you've got to have someone or a couple of players just take it in turns and they're going to try and harass from the inside. Because if you don't harass from the inside, what it does, it leaves you open to Penrith running the ball. So if you come from outside in, you leave yourself exposed because if they all of a sudden decide to run it, so if you're the foreman, so you're an edge back rower and you decide to come outside in to put pressure on Nathan Cleary, the winger is back for the kick along with the fullback. You leave yourself with two men on a long side of the field, so that's that's why you talk about inside pressure for a kick. If you if you chase from the outside in, you just leave yourself exposed. And the hardest job in rugby league is for a forward, in particular a middle, a tight, when they've made three or four tackles in the in a row and you've carried the football. It's all right doing it early in the game. 
But as the clock starts to get 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 14 minutes into a game, can you consistently still get off the line and put a Nathan Cleary under pressure? And that's what they talk about with, with, with it being a one percenter or a, or a team sacrifice. You've just got to be able to do it. And Parramatta didn't do it in the first week of the finals. But this is going to be a big focus point for South Sydney and whoever plays, if in fact Penrith go on and win, um, you know, whatever other team comes up against Penrith this year, they're, they're just going to have to try and focus and get their big forwards to put that pressure on him. Back page of the Herald, get ready, sweat, go. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, Jonathan Thurston on 100% footy last night in the Herald as well today, turning the heat on Parramatta, saying, well, their premiership window is closing. The pressure is on them. And uh, yesterday, Brad Arthur, well, he was adamant that his players would go crazy, in his words, if they went to Townsville early to acclimatise and they've been turning up the heaters in the gym this week, they've been uh, training in the hottest part of the day as well, but I love Reed Marnie's comment as well yesterday. You go there, put the boots on, and play footy. Simple as that. Uh, yeah, I, I like that mentality, uh, but unfortunately, when you run out there, uh, you notice it, and you feel it, and it's a big shock to the system, and you've got to get your second win very quickly, and you've got to start well. And these big Parramatta forwards, this is a reason why I think that Parramatta need to, you know, be able to start well because the Cowboys will look to keep the ball in play. They'll look to run Parramatta around and try and get their middles under pressure. And their middles play a lot of football compared to some of the other clubs. You know, Campbell, Gillard and Junior Paulo play long minutes. So if you're the Cowboys, you're trying to expose them and try and get their bench players on a little bit earlier. I was going to ask that, Loz. Does their bench change because they're playing in the extra heat? I think they're going to have to, Clarky. But again, it'll come down to, you know, controlling possession. It'll come down to not too many turnovers. Mm. But Parramatta being brave enough to play that style of footy too. Mm. Um, you know, they've they got to back themselves with the football. And if they can complete around 80% and play the type of football we've seen when they're at their best, uh, they'll they'll challenge this this Cowboys outfit. But if they... You know, with these conditions up there, you just know it's going to be hot for big blokes and they can get a little bit loose around the middle. Their forwards are probably going to have to um, shoulder the workload a touch more, those guys coming off the interchange bench. Um, Because as I said, they they play long minutes, Campbell Gillard and Junior Polo. But I reckon in these conditions, they might have to have a a rest, more more of a rest than what they do when they, they play down here because it will be stifling. Uh, South Flyer racing clock for Penrith Showdown. Also back page of the Herald and Alex Johnston will be given until Friday to prove his fitness. Uh, no Jackson Powell in the ex- extended squad. So it's either Josh Mansour, the veteran, former Penrith player, of course, or Richie Kenner to replace Alex Johnston. Gee, it sounds like, it sounds like he won't play, Loz. Well, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because you, you, you run the risk of Alex playing, injuring himself early, leaving the field and leaving your team with, only, with, with a man down and 16 players. Um, and then, of course, you've got, if you win that game, you've got a grand final the following week. But what do you do? You've got to roll the dice at some point in time. I reckon if he's 80, 85%, he'll play. Um, but if he's no better than that, I, I think they'll leave him on the sideline. But it's a big risk to take guys into a 
final, a high-pressure game with injury, you'd nearly lean on the side of caution here, I think. I think you, if, he, if he can't stretch out, you've got to go with a fit man. You've got to go with that fresh bloke and hopefully you can get the job done and he's back the following week. Uh, also, back page of the Herald, NRL clubs miss out as Tars sign rising star. So uh, rugby's finally kept one. Uh, for now. For now. Yeah, that's a good point, Clarkie, because uh, he's only signed at the Waratahs until the end of 2024. So this is Max yeah. Jorgensen, 18-year-old kid. You've seen quite a bit mm. of him playing footy. Loz, uh, son of Peter Jorgensen, who played for the Wallabies, but uh, then went on to play for, of course, the Panthers and the Roosters. Yeah, he's a good young player, Max. Um, there's plenty of NRL clubs chasing him, and I've got no doubt that he would have played first grade next year. If given an opportunity, he might have played a lot of games, but he would have certainly played a game or two for the Roosters uh, or the Bulldogs or whoever were, were chasing him. Um, um, and those two clubs were. But going to Rugby Union, I think he could you know, certainly make his mark with the Waratahs in the next couple of years. And then obviously with the Wallabies, you know, in 12 months, 18 months' time. Uh, now, Buddy, big feature of the papers today. Back page of the Herald, never say never. Buddy could play beyond 2023. The headline there is front page of the Australian. Go again, Buddy. Shows he knows best. I've definitely proved them wrong, haven't I? And on the back page of the Australian, evergreen Buddy gets last laugh. So Lance Franklin spoke yesterday after he signed that one-year extension. And he didn't hold back on those who questioned his initial nine-year deal either. The 35-year-old noted the knockers who said he wouldn't see out the deal, saying, I've definitely proved them wrong, haven't I? The AFL in particular, remember back at the time when Andrew Demetrio was at the helm, of course, he was furious. And the reason was they wanted him to go to GWS big time. Mm. The Swan swooped at the last moment. And uh, he also revealed yesterday, buddy, that he was a 50-50 chance to retire this season. And he denies ever speaking with Brisbane. So uh, it was either retire or go again with the Swans, it seems, in the end. But uh, he was uh, pretty happy to stick the boot in. And I've got to say, I was one of those people. I-, I didn't think he'd get through the contract. So very, very happy to be proven wrong. No, but he did miss two years of footy. Good point. <laughs> well, he, it's not as if he played 20 games every, all those years. He, he missed a couple of years of, of football. So he's got his body now right, which is great. Um, and he's got through the nine years, uh, but he did miss a, a large portion of a couple of seasons there. He didn't play in 2020 at all. He played 10 games in 2019, didn't play, well, 2020, yeah, the pandemic year, didn't play a game, and then 18 games last year, 22 this year. So, yeah, 19 and 20, yeah. they were the two years that he was pretty well hampered at the yeah. Swans. But, you know, he's been in a couple of grand finals with the Swans. He's been a superstar. He's kept them on the back page. Um, and, you know, you ask the Swans and they will tell you he's been worth every cent. Not only uh, what he's been able to bring through the gates, but also with merchandise, um, you know, television ratings, all of the numbers that the front of office measures it by, uh, he's been a Wonderful success for Sydney Swans. Absolutely. Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. And we've got Dick Fain coming up shortly. And yesterday, the NFL, it was a huge win for Buffalo. They're in a $5 to win the Super Bowl after week two. They smashed Tennessee 41-7. And Philadelphia, the hype train, is in full swing. They beat Minnesota 
24 to 7. In fact, Philly are now on the fourth line of betting to win the Super Bowl, Loz. He's a better player than I thought, Jalen Hurts. Or he's playing better than I thought. Um, I don't know about Philly. I'm, I'm, I think they're all right. Yeah, I think they do, but I, I can't see it winning. Oh, it's just the NFC. Yeah, NFC yeah is I know. So it's up. very open. I know it's very open, but I don't know. Brady Rogers this week, Tampa Bay, Green Bay. Well, I see Rogers has still got it over Chicago. He's got a magnificent record against oh. them. Doesn't he love giving it to him, oh, too? Oh, yeah. Great rivalry. Yep. So, Dick's coming up shortly. Uh, Clarkie, how about this? Uh, from October 1, it's going to be absolutely confirmed. The Mancad, well, it's moving to the run-out section of the rules. So, basically, you can be dismissed via Mancad, absolutely, from October 1. Can you believe that? This is I in can, the rules. I, I, I can believe it. I'm not sure I agree with it, though. Oh, it's I think, ridiculous. I think it's, a, I think it's a garbage rule. I, garbage. I, I remember growing up when my mum and dad owned an indoor sports centre, and that used to cause the most punch-ups out of anything. Hmm. In a game of indoor cricket, if somebody did that to you, it would cause a, a proper stink. I, I just don't know if we need... Like, again, you've got the umpire there. If the, if the batter's getting, or the non-striker's getting any sort of advantage with how they're backing up to, to run then the umpire should just give him a warning and just say, mate, you you know, you can't do that. You've got to stay in your crease until the ball's released. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised because there's been a, a number of incidents over the past couple of years. Um, but still, I'd hate to see a batsman get out like that. I'll join the dots for you. Uh, Ravi Ashwin, Indian, has been the person who's, you know, I guess tried to do this dismissal, probably the most high profile yeah. who runs well, the game yeah. in India. I mean, seriously. Yeah, and I think there's a number of people that think it's you know there is a there is an advantage to the non-striker and to the batting team, so that's why they've done it. But anyway, mm. yeah, I, I I don't think you'll see too many Australians um, attempt getting yeah. opposition batsmen out or batters out like that. So it's gone from the unfair play section of the rules to the run-out section. The other uh, uh, rule change as well, uh, no such thing really as batsmen crossing when there's a catch now. So just the the batsman who's coming in after a dismissal for court, that batsman will face the next ball. There you go. So oh, really? if, if you cross, doesn't matter. If you cross, it doesn't matter anymore, Clark. So hang on a second. If I hit the ball straight up in the air, yep, and you cross, what what if what if matter. I ru- what if what about it? Okay. So what about if I run two and then he catches it? Do I still get my run? No. So you you lose those two runs. So it's baseball. Yeah, that, that's how I. I can run to third base, but if you catch it, then I'm doesn't count anyway. Mm. Yeah, that uh, that's strange. Because it's always been if I let's say I've hit it out to the outfield and I get back for the second, I'm out caught, but I get the first run. So now you're saying you lose that run, and there's a huge disadvantage to not that I'm not that I care too much because I feel like it's a batter's game anyway. But there's a huge disadvantage to the batting team. If the new batter, no matter what, has to face that ball. Because yep. a lot of the time, that's what you're doing. You're sprinting to get the batsman who's in or been in on strike. Especially if it's the last over of a T20 in a World Cup final, for example. Yep, doesn't matter. New batsman mm. will take strike. Okay. Well, Off a catch they're the rules. From now on. <laughs> they're the rules. Hello, Dick. How are we doing, boys? Yeah, really well, thank you. The big story, no doubt, to come out of the week. Or week two of the NFL was the 
Devastating injury to San Francisco 49ers quarterback Trey Lance. But let's be honest, Dick, they now have a better chance. As unfortunate as it is for Trey Lance, with Jimmy Garoppolo still on that roster, they have a better chance to win the Super Bowl now than they did. Would you agree? 100%, guys. And uh, I was watching that game, obviously, every play because it was against my be- beloved Seahawks. And uh, when Trey Lance was in there, I had, a f- I had a feeling like the Seahawks had a reasonable chance to stay in the game and win that game despite it being at San Francisco. As soon as Trey Lance went down, I, was, I looked at my son, he looked at me, and we both said, we're cooked. <laughs> and, and indeed and indeed we were cooked and it wasn't you know jimmy g is never going to come in and just light the world on fire that's not how he does it but as he eloquently stated after the game in his press conference he said you know i i we do a pretty good job of winning when i'm playing quarterback here i'm not about the numbers i'm not about the flash i'm about getting the job done and getting the w and the results speak for themselves i mean kyle shanahan the coach wins at about a 70 percent clip when when uh, jimmy g's the starting quarterback and he wins at about a 30 percent clip when anybody else is the starting quarterback so that's all you got to know about their chances and and you know they're they're still in that 18 to 20 uh range uh for for a super bowl you know i would have never put any money on them uh, for a Super Bowl future with Trey Lance, but it doesn't look like the odds have moved that much. I'd put a shekel or two because the NFC is wide, wide open, as you guys were just talking about in the last segment. And San Francisco's as good as just about anybody, particularly when they play their game. And that's the grinded out, pounded on the ground football that we saw this Sunday. That's what they're best at. And they can beat just about everybody playing that way. Dick, what's Tom Brady got up to for the fans to be fuming at him? Tom Brady, honestly, guys, acted like a six-year-old in, in that game against the Saints. I mean, obviously, the uh, the Saints have been, uh, you know, thrown Tom Brady curveball after curveball the last four outings. They were four and zero against Tom Brady uh, going into this uh, going into this rivalry game. Um, Brady's offense was completely shut down through three quarters, and then you had a, uh, you know, the tempers were. You, you saw it in the first three quarters, you know, Tom Brady taking his la- you know, taking his uh, Surface tablet smashing it on the ground on the sidelines you saw him screaming at his at his players I mean there's it's a different looking Tom Brady guys and I'm not just talking about his play I'm talking about his attitude as well and you know we don't like to speculate on personal matters but I don't know how you can't look at how Tom Brady is playing and how Tom Brady is acting on the field and not infer that his personal issues right now are affecting him negatively on the football field now they were able to come you know come through with a win but that was really more of what Jameis Winston did as the quarterback of the Saints versus what Tom Brady did I mean Jameis Winston just handed the ball over Tampa Bay three times in the fourth Mm. quarter he was absolutely horrible so just about any quarterback with Jameis Winston throwing you the ball every play is going to be able to win that football game so you know Tampa's got to get things squared away and they've got Mike Evans suspended due to that uh, scuffle Uh, he came in and uh, right off the you know walked to the sidelines then turned right around and smashed Marshawn Lattimore in the back and knocked him down so he's suspended for a game things are just not right in Tampa right now despite them being undefeated Dick tell me how did Cleveland lose oh my gosh uh so many different ways (laughs) what should they have done well you know there's when when we were growing up it was always like score points score points if you have an opportunity to score you, you, you score the touchdown and things have changed in the era of analytics where just possessing the ball and not scoring 
can be more effective to winning the game than actually scoring. And so you had an opportunity there for Nick Chubb to just to fall on the ball and and clock, you know, take more clock uh, off. And instead, he went into the end zone, gave him a two touchdown lead. Well, the Jets came back, scored a touchdown, kicked an onside kick, kicked another, scored another touchdown, and ended up winning the game. So Cleveland really did uh, mismanage the timing, the, the clock on that game. Uh, they never saw the ball after that, after uh, after Nick Chubb's touchdown. It was amazing, and it was just kind of the the way week two went. I mean, I was telling Jono off air, you know, week one was just such an exciting week where lots of games were, were close all the way through. Week two was boring until the fourth quarters of these games. I mean, the, the Browns game was amazing in the fourth quarter. You had the, the Arizona Raiders game with Kyler Murray. I mean, that game was over with eight, nine minutes left to go in the game. And Kyler Murray with some miraculous plays, pulling a, a defeat, uh, you know, pulling a victory out of the jaws of defeat. So there were quite a few games this weekend that just, I was sitting there, you know, I was on my treadmill, you know, sweating and watching these games for an hour. And I'm like, God, I'm not getting entertained at all. And then all of a sudden they all got great all at once. Well, there are two hype trains. One's at Miami. $23 to win the Super Bowl, and Philadelphia into fourth favorite at $13. That Miami win was incredible against Baltimore. Another one. I, I, totally, I totally forgot about naming that one. Another game where you know the Dolphins outscored the Ravens 28-3. to And, you know, sometimes when you get up so much in any sport, right, there's just that natural reaction to exhale, right? You get up by a couple of scores, or in Baltimore's case, you get up three scores. Well, a football team's not going to come back from three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That doesn't happen, right? So you just, you kind of exhale. You say, all right, I'm going to look look forward to what I'm doing after the game. You know, maybe I'm going to go out for dinner. Maybe I'm going to get a drink. I'm going to hang out with my family. And then all of a sudden that, you know, that three score lead turns to two scores, turn to one score, and then you can't rev the engine back up again. And that's what happened to Baltimore. I still think Baltimore is a better team than Miami without question. But, hey, hand it to Miami. They didn't give up. Tua was magnificent. Um, you know, I'm still not a big Tua believer. Uh, I think that game was more Tyreek Hill getting open by like eight yards <laughs> downfield than it was actually Tua playing awesome. But Tua did have a, a really, really nice ball uh, that I recall into the, you know, kind of into the middle of traffic in the middle of the end zone that was a, really a spectacular throw by Tua. So it wasn't all just, you know, Hail Mary balls to a, to a wide open Tyreek Hill. But, uh, you know, Miami's a playoff caliber team. I wouldn't put any money on them to win the Super Bowl. Philadelphia, on the other hand, they have looked the part, guys, and we talked about that at the beginning of the season. I was like, all right, do I do I bet Philly to win the East or do I bet Dallas to win the East? And we kind of just barely went to the Philly side. Well, I'm glad we went to the Philly side because it does look like they're they're definitely the favorites in that division. And the way Jalen Hurts is playing, uh, he's kind of an outsider MVP candidate, and they are definitely a team to be reckoned with, with in the NFC this year. Are there a couple of quarterbacks already under pressure, Dick? We've got... Um, a text message here from one of our uh, listeners is Ryan Tannehill under pressure after getting dragged or hooked yesterday, Malik Willis. And what about uh, at um, the Steelers with Trubisky, uh, the crowd booing him and wanting um, Kenny Pickett to, to play? How much pressure is he under as well to keep his starting spot? I think he's probably under more pressure than Tannehill because you got to look at the track record. I mean, Ryan Tannehill has consistently 
orchestrated an offense that's not a high-flying offense, but it's a winning offense. And they have consistently gone to the playoffs. They've consistently won nine, ten games a season and, and been very, very good. They rely on Derrick Henry first, and when Derrick Henry is not operational and like he wasn't last night, I mean, he was just totally shut down. Ryan Tannehill's not good enough to just air it out. And they don't have weapons on the outside either. It's not just Ryan Tannehill. I mean, they don't have any wide receivers there uh, that compare favorably to just about any other team in the in the NFL. So I, I think that he is much more safe than Trubisky is. I mean, the Steelers demand, Steeler fans demand wins. And also, remember, Kenny Pickett is from Pittsburgh. He played his college at uh, college football at Pittsburgh. So they're very familiar with him. He's the guy all Steeler fans wanted to draft. They drafted him. So he's, you know, everybody's favorite guy is the backup quarterback, right? Especially if that backup quarterback's a rookie and he's from your town. So, uh, but I think if they lose, you know, if they end up going, you know, two, three, and one, three, five, and one over the first half of the season, first third of the season, you may see a change at quarterback there and going to Kenny Pickett. Uh, now, we're going to get your best NFL bet before you go. And we're going to do this each week off you through the season as well, Dick, I've decided. But uh, just want to talk some golf quickly ahead of the President's Cup, of course, this week. And we saw Cam Smith uh, win on the Live Tour last week in Chicago. And a question here from Bizet Newey on the text line. Morning, boys, asked Dick his thoughts on the pettiness of the PGA banning the players from playing President's Cup. It's lost all relevance now. Uh, just a, a bizarre, another bizarre week in golf ahead. It is. And unfortunately, I think it's going to be very, very poorly followed here in the States. I mean, the Ryder Cup has always followed more than the President's Cup, but I just think because of this uh, spat between the Live and, and the PGA Tour, and you just don't have all the best players in the world playing in this President's Cup. I think I think most American sports fans are just going to say, forget about it. I mean, I'm usually excited to watch the President's Cup, and I'm, I'm just kind of lukewarm. I'm definitely going to be watching football far, far more than I'm going to be watching golf this weekend. And, you know, it's interesting. Greg Norman uh, is at in Congress this week. He is actually speaking to Congress, uh, you know, complaining about the PGA's unfair practice. And so it'll be interesting to see what kind of ear uh, the United States Congress gives to Greg Norman and seeing if they can, uh, you know, they can open up things a little bit and, and regulate things a little more and take some of the power um, away from uh, the PGA Tour. That'll be an interesting next step in this whole thing. But, you know, as far as the President's Cup goes, I mean, regardless of whether everybody can play or not. Uh, the U.S. should be a massive favorite. Uh, I really like them at minus 400, minus 500, which is where I was seeing it a month ago or so. But I think it's up to like, was it like minus 800, minus 900? I just I just can't put up enough money <laughs> to, for it to be worth the, the potential risk at like a minus 900. Uh, now, I'm also seeing that your Mariners in the Major League in baseball are in a hell of a battle with two clubs from the American League East, Toronto and Tampa Bay, for the wildcard spots there uh, in the American League. How do you feel about your Mariners and how that will play out? Well, the good news for the Mariners and... Sounds like we've just lost Dick there for the moment, so we'll try and get him back uh, to get his take on uh, his Mariners and also get his best bet for the NFL for week three. He's going to give us a best bet every week now, but... uh, uh, Tampa Bay, Green Bay is certainly the big game. When you've got Rodgers and Brady going against each other, you don't see it that much. Well, they're fact, Hall of Famers, aren't they? Hall of Famers, no doubt about it. it sorry, Dick, we lost you there. Just on your Mariners. Oh, you got me? Got oh, you. yeah. Just, 
three playoff spots now instead of two. So I think all those teams can relax. They're all going to make the playoffs, Toronto and the Mariners and Tampa Bay. Which seed do you want, though? The four seed gets all three first-round games at home against the five seed. So that's definitely preferable over the five seed without question. I would argue maybe the six seed is the most preferable because of the road you get to take. The six seed you have to play on the road the first three games. But instead of playing one of those tough wildcard teams, you get to play the Cleveland Guardians, who the Mariners have dispatched of twice over the last couple weeks. They're clearly a better team than Cleveland, and I think they'd be able to beat them on the road. Then you'd be able to take on the two seed, which is the Yankees. And I think most fans and most experts agree the Yankees are not the team the Astros is or Astros are. So I'd almost prefer to get that last spot, go on the road, play Cleveland, and then play New York and not have to see Houston until the American League Championship Series. Okay, give it to us. Your best bet for week three in the NFL. Yeah, guys, you know what? I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you two. And I've been doing this on, on my show the the first couple of weeks. We're two and zero thus far on the weeks. But I'm gonna give you a, a two this week because I like them both. You know, I wasn't a huge believer in Cincinnati to begin the season. I had them missing the playoffs, but they're zero and two, and they're facing a must win game this week and they're taking on a new york jets team that as you just mentioned really had no business coming back and winning that game last week so over cleveland so i really like cincinnati minus four and a half at the jets and then uh, my other one is you know you gotta i still think the indianapolis colts are a playoff caliber roster uh, there's no way they should uh, be 0-1 and 1 like they are. Uh, the Chiefs are flying high after that big win over the Chargers. So uh, this is definitely not a public play. This is a this is a quote unquote sharp play. But uh, give me the Colts plus six and a half. I've seen it at seven as well against the Chiefs. So those are my two best bets of the week. Oof, jeez. Okay, yeah. Not sure how Matt Ryan and. Uh... That uh, Frank Reich's got to be under some pressure, won't they? If, if they don't win that division this year, you'd imagine he'd be uh, under the pump big time, wouldn't you, Dick? No question. And uh, these, I'm taking desperate teams whose stocks have really dropped from where they were. And remember that the Colts at the beginning of the season were 20 to one to yeah. win the Super Bowl, and that was just two weeks ago. And so it's still a good team. It's still a good roster, and and they are in a must-win type situation. So uh, the Chiefs are sitting pretty. They know they're going to win their you know 11, 12 games. They know they're going to be in the playoffs. So the onus to win this game is far more on the Colts than it is on the Chiefs this week. Thanks so much as always, mate. All right, boys, we'll talk to you next week. Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. And uh, in the cricket last night, that first T20 in Mahali, Cameron Green, the star, was man of the match. 61 off 30 balls at the top of the order. As Australia sent the Indians in, didn't look the best decision. India posted six for 208. Uh, KL Rahul, 55 at the top of the order. Yadav, 46. And then Hardik Pandya, not out 71 off 30 balls. Five sixes, seven boundaries in that 71. So six for 208, India posted. Pick of the bowlers for the Aussies was Nathan Ellis, three for 30. Josh Hazelwood, two for 39. Uh, Cameron Green, one for 46. Cops some tap, only bowled three overs. And uh, Pat Cummins, none for 47 from his four. So about as paradised as usual in India in a T20. In response, Australia chased them down, got there with four balls to spare, six for 211. Green, as I mentioned, man of the match, 61 at the top of the order. Finch, 22. Uh, Steve Smith, 35. Uh, Tim David, 
on his Australian debut, 18 off 14 balls coming in at number six, but it was Matthew Wade down the bottom, 45 not out off 21 balls, steering the Aussies home after that great knock by Green at the top of the order. So 1-0 up, couple to play in that series over there in India. We've got Jared Crouch coming up shortly, Swans Premiership player from 2005. Uh, big morning on the show. Also coming up, Adam Pengilly as always, Damian Cook, South hooker, ahead of their big prelim, their fifth straight prelim, the Bunnies. They play against uh, the Panthers on Saturday night. Dean Young, Cowboys assistant coach, mentioned as a coach in waiting, Loz. Oh, Talk yeah. around the Dragons, going back to his old club eventually as well. Yeah, I think Dean's just got to pick the right club when he thinks he's ready to leap into the role. I, I think he's proven himself to be a very good assistant. Um, I've worked with Dean before. Um, he's very good, uh, very knowledgeable about the game. He communicates really well with his players. Uh, he's got a lot of respect and, you know, he's done a terrific job up there with the Cowboys as his head coach, Todd Payton. So I think like all good assistants, you've just got to wait and bide your time and wait for the right opportunity. There's always... Uh, first-grade coaching jobs going. Uh, we know how ruthless it can be. Um, but any young coach, it's all about picking the right club that best, it, uh, best suits you. Uh, and I think Dean would be in no rush to commit to somewhere while he's in that Cowboys system at the moment because the way they're progressing and the way they're playing and the age group of their squad uh, looks as though they'll be a finals contender for a few more years yet to come. Coming up, well, he was around the club at the Swans for 25 years and played 223 games from 1998 to 2009, of course, incorporating that 2005 famous premiership and had coaching roles there at the club after playing uh, before resigning earlier this year. Morning, Jared. Hey, boys. How are we? Yeah, really well, thanks. Appreciate your time this morning and a great week for the club. And watching this group, when they lost to Essendon, Jared, round 16 at the start of July, the, the grand final looked miles away. What in your eyes changed about the Swans from that point? Uh, I think a lot of things. Uh, one thing is that what's always happened at the club is those good old-fashioned sit around, have some honest conversations and, and really know where you're at. But they they are a talented list. But probably, you know, if you'd asked me at the beginning of the year they're going to make a grand final, I'd probably say no, they were going to, Hopefully, go better than the elimination final last year, um, and you know they've certainly done that. But it's a, those honest conversations—you get confidence up, and and um, yeah, then away things go. And, and they've certainly played some some very good football the back half of this year. Jared, I think in general we always get to see the shop front window, the team walk out onto a sporting field and have success. And you know, people, fans, and and media seem to knock when things don't go well, but in my opinion, probably don't praise enough when people or teams turn that around and start going right. I'm really keen to know how it works at the Swannies and what the senior players do and not just the influence on the field, but what has happened off the field to be able to make such, you know, major change in whether it be style of play, but most importantly, success and now being a GF. I think, I mean, there's so many factors going on there. One of the things, and I've said this for a number of years. One of the things we're really good as as fans is actually not giving enough respect to the opposition at times too. You know, yeah. we constantly yeah, sit call. there and go, "Oh, our teams are no good." Uh, but actually, the opposition were really good, and they yeah. out, they out either coach to outplay. 
But look, I, I, not, not, nothing um, fancy goes on. Other than what I said, just have honest conversations. The, what Certainly through my journey, what you learned is what made you a good football team. And a lot of those things are you know, measurable. You know, certainly a number of tackles, all these different types of things. And the game's evolving. So the current group will have different indicators about what makes them successful. It's about, it's about everything. It's about having the conversation. It's about uh, looking at the numbers, but then being able to back that up with vision. And then coming up with a plan about how you then go and execute the way you want to play. And a lot of this is, um, there's obviously an experienced coaching group. Um, there's a lot of you know, assistant coaches. In, uh, obviously, John leads the way. Don Pike, obviously brilliant tactician. You've got Ben Matthews and Jarvis Bay who have come through our system as players. So they understand mm. what it means to be a player and then how to, um, I guess, get the best out or continue to drive what's important for the football club. So oh, it all just starts with creating an environment where you can have honest conversations, where you're not, you know, tiptoeing around on eggshells, trying to you know, always make things flowery and nice. Yeah. It is, this is not about whether I like you or not. This is about how we make you a better footballer. And that's what's important. You know, the, you know there's things that happen away from the, the field where, you know, being up here, you live together, you, you socialise together. So that's where you create that mateship and that's where you are a good fella. Mm. But when you cross that white line to play football, there's some things that you just have to do um, to be successful, and, and that's where you just have those honest conversations because because you've created that relationship, you know that this is not a, an attack on you as a person. This is just here it is. This is what's going to make you um, make you as an individual and ultimately the team um, better as a football team. And how do you get that balance between, you know, now with where the boys are going into this grand final, obviously, you know, you want the youngsters to feel as comfortable as possible, but... Can you talk about it too much? Can you build it up too much? Or are you better off fronting it? Uh, what, grand final week? or this? Yeah, week? grand final week, yeah. The, the biggest thing always... Oh, there's a few guys I've experienced before, but you just you always just enjoy this week. The, the first... Um, the only bit of advice is you turn your phone off because you'll have, yeah. um, you'll have that yeah. uh, under, under tense yeah. coach ringing up to, to want to get a season to get the grand final. So, turn the phone off. Embrace it. There's, there's elements of... Um, it has changed. There's no doubt that you know up here in Sydney, there's and it's been great to read some of the articles talking about how they do think swans are now part of the fabric of Sydney up here. The, I've always said that that people are different um, in the fact that you know certainly through my career, people come up and say hello and they'd recognise you and all that, but they just say hello and wish you the best of luck. Mm. As opposed to when you're in, in the southern states, Melbourne and Adelaide, you're back there, they come up, they say hello, and then they want to tell, try and tell you how to play football, and that's sort of the difference. You know, people up here. Um, you know, while their football knowledge and I saw that firsthand in that preliminary final the, the Collingwood supporters were awesome um, and that atmosphere at the SCG but it brought the best out of the Swans fans that were there and their knowledge of the game you could see them you know, roaring at the right times and all that type of stuff It was the, the knowledge of the game's improved so up here in Sydney you can embrace the um, a little bit differently because it's not quite as big as hype because when you hit Melbourne and I think they're going Thursday from what I read in the papers yeah. Yep. That's where it's crazy. Um, you know, they uh, people talk about. Um, I've never done a full week. They talk about almost being exhausted come grand final day because there's that many different functions. It's just everywhere. It's in your face. It's all everyone's talking about. Um, it's, it is a different beast down there. It is a religion. Um, it's on another level. So, you know, you just embrace what you can now. Turn the phone off. Um, enjoy this this time because there's uh, you know what is there 16 other clubs not playing and 
and um, yeah, learn off some of the experienced players. There's a couple there that, that have played in grand finals before. What about their opponent on Saturday, Geelong? They've been a remarkable club. Well, they haven't won a premiership in the last few years. They've always been there or thereabouts challenging. What style of football do they play? Is it different to the Swans or are they quite similar in terms of the way they go about it? Oh, they're similar. Look, they're, they're just, I guess, at a different age profile. They're just a lot more experienced. You said they're always there about, but they're probably, without nine, they're probably average age of the team is probably three or four years older. They're certainly what you'd consider to be right at the um, the right point. They do a lot of that with um, with some really good trading. Um, you know, they managed to get you know, Jeremy Cameron, who was obviously up here at the, at the Giants, and um, you know, get those players that have almost served their apprenticeship to clubs, and then you know, their best footballs ahead of them. So they're just a uh, you know, superstar forwards in Cameron and, and Hawkins, and um, they've got some great smalls. Um, Stengel and you know, former Swan Gary Rowan, who, who was good to see him pip, uh, pop up in a preliminary final, kick some goals, and then you know, uh, Selwood, the Warhorse. Um, in the middle with um, with Mitch Duncan and and Dangerfield, they're, they're, they've got superstars all over the field, and they're at that age. Um, they deservedly be favourites, but I guess as the Swans proved at the beginning of the year in, in Buddy's in Buddy's game, they are beatable. Um, you know, they it's just what grand finals are won on your ability to apply pressure for the for the full um, for the full 120 minutes, and that's just what the Swans have to do if if they want a chance to win. Well, you mentioned, Buddy, uh, the players certainly would have been bouncing into training yesterday with the news that he'd re-signed with the club for another year. What, what does that do for a group, you reckon, on the eve of a grand final, knowing that your superstar, Liam Frankly, is going to go round again? Probably probably adds a little bit more excitement. It's one of those things, you know, players, you know, we're professional now. You know, obviously, there's always been talk of what Buddy's going to do. And, you know, everyone realises that he's coming you know, close to the end, that he is the beginning, let's be honest. And whether he's moving moving away, a lot of players go, well, you've just got to do what's good for you. So there wouldn't have been that anxiety that he was going to leave. But to know he's going to come back would have been, oh, wow, awesome. You know, this just adds to that excitement in, in grand final week. So, um, yeah, it, it would have been... There was plenty of good banter around the, the change rooms when um, when they announced it and, and all that type of stuff. But, yeah, it just adds to the excitement of what is already a very exciting week. We're speaking with Swans great Jared Crouch. And, Jared, so the Swans just don't do grand finals easy. You know that better than most. Uh, what is your defining memory of 2005? When you think back to that day, what's the one thing that sticks out, uh, whether it's on the, on the field or off it, uh, a memory from the day? Oh. I got, it's, not, it's not just one. I've got so many memories of that day. It is, it is pretty vivid. I just, that last quarter, I know um, it's obviously Leo's mark, but I just remember that last quarter that being, you know, I was down in the back line at that stage, just watching everything up in front of me, just knowing that we weren't going to lose because you just see your teammates doing what we trained over and over and over again. And um, It was just that uh, sense in that last little bit and you know, I guess is. Fans were pretty nervous, but it was almost a, an amazing emotion of, um, you know, we're finally going to win one. And, um, yeah, that, that's just sort of a, the memory that I have. You just, you know, there's lots of different things, but it, everything was just put together in, um, that, you know, our, each one of the teammates was just doing exactly what they should have on that day, and we were going to win. And you left the Swans to have a bit of a break earlier this year after your very long association with the club. So what are you up to now? Uh, not a great deal. Um, I'm a... Uh, stay-at-home dad at the moment. I've got to try and find a job. I do a little bit with um, with Japanese rugby um, in the women's program. So I go over and 
was working for a number of years with their sevens program. Um, unfortunately, didn't get to go to the Olympics because of COVID. And I did a little bit of stuff early in the year with their 15s as they get ready for the World Cup um, starting uh, actually next month, isn't it? I think they. I think yeah. I was almost going to go to Eden Park. The Bledisloe's on this Saturday, isn't yeah. it? So the Japanese girls have been invited to play against New Zealand before that game, and that's going to be an amazing experience for them. And I was sort of going, oh, they're... I've never been to a Buttersite Eden Park, and then, of course, the Swans make the grand final. So I was sort of, <laughs> you know, well, the kids go, well, Dad, you're taking us down there. So that sort of changed. But that's a little bit I do. Otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm, I better start looking for a job very soon. Uh, and, and are you going to the game, or do you stay at home and watch it? No, I'm ta- I've made a silly... Um, we went down for the, the Melbourne final. I took the, drove the kids down there. I've got um, four boys, um, and we all went down there and watched it, and made the silly comment of, oh, yes, they make the granny old kids. <laughs> so, so what's happened is I've just gone and taken out a small mortgage of the home <laughs> to buy the tickets. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll um, it's sort of this, uh, this public holiday day and morning we've got, we'll, we'll wander down there. And then you've got the public holiday in Melbourne on the Friday. And it'll just be great for my boys who are, you know, I've only had kids when I retired. They get to experience the grand final and, and have a bit of fun. And um, yeah, they're, they're mad, passionate little swan fans. And um, yeah, it's, yeah, I guess it's nice being able to, Enjoy football through your kids' eyes now. That um, for for a long time it was almost a job. And now it's, you know the, the passions come back with um, you know watching it through them. Well, hopefully your boys, yourself, and all us Swans fans are celebrating Saturday night. Really appreciate your time this morning, Jared. No pleasure. It's great. To, great to be back with the Big Sports Breakfast family. It was a long time when I used to have a chat regularly, but of course uh, you did. Yeah. great to great to be back here. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Let's hope that the the boys do the job for us all, and we can be. Uh, all celebrating Saturday night. Appreciate it, mate. Good Thank on you, Jared. I uh, just had a question. I had this a couple of times in the last couple of days. Morning, boys. Just wondering if you can please confirm something for me. If you have NRL grand final tickets, does that get you free entry into Tab Epsom Day at Ramwick? And I'm just on the Australian Turf Club website at the moment. Yes, it does. Uh, NRL grand final ticket holders can attend free of charge in general admission for Tab Epsom Day. What a weekend it is next weekend. Just to Epsom all up, GF. Keep going. Public holiday. A public holiday. Oh, that's right. Public holiday. Public holiday tomorrow, tomorrow too. We're not on tomorrow, by the way. Are we on Friday? Yes, we are. Right. Do we get Blocker on Friday or we miss him? No, nah, we'll be the big block of cheese. He'll be on. We'll make sure of it. There okay. you go. Loss has made the executive him, decision. Yeah, like we, it. We need Blocker's energy on a Friday. I agree. We can take Blocker's energy anytime. I oh, know. He's just an injection you need at seven o'clock in the morning, isn't he? The great <laughs> <really> Blocker <is. laughs> Uh Joining us now, Adam Pengilly. Good morning, Adam. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Well, why did they put this public holiday for the Queen on a Thursday? Because it must be so tempting for you guys just to take that Friday off oh, and have a, have a massively long week. It is well, tempting, but I reckon it'd Melbourne. be tempting for everyone. But it's <laughs> only Melbourne because I reckon it would have been Friday, but Victoria's already got the public holiday for the AFL grand final on Friday. So Victoria's right. stuffed us all up. What, so we're making allowances for one state? Well, probably, yeah, because then they don't get the Queen's birthday public Bad holiday. Luck. Well, I agree with you, <laughs> but I'm saying this is why we don't have it on a Friday. We don't bow to Victorians. Well, we did. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that makes sense, doesn't it, Adam? Well, so you're saying, Jared, that we're, we're virtually dictating a national public holiday around the AFL Grand Final. Mm. Yes, I'm going to make a phone call to Peter. I was going to say, mate, get Peter on the phone. (laughs) He'll be blowing up about that. (laughs) And every right to. 
Golden Rose Barrier draw yesterday. I see in secret uh, three twenty into three dollars, best backed, and drew a, a soft gate as well. It was a barrier three. Uh, oh, just looking through, no fillies won this race since becoming a Group One, have they? Yeah, I was just about to say that, Jared. Forensics is the only filly who's won this race in its history way back in 2008, I think it was. And even that year, I think the race might have been delayed from the spring to the autumn because of the EI um, crisis. So it has been a Colts race for many, many years, obviously. I think in sequence, she was the first filly to win the run to the Rose a couple of weeks ago as well, wasn't she? So we usually regard this as a, as a massive stallion-making race. But I'll tell you what, I think the fillies are strong this year. Um, in secret, obviously, with that soft draw, as you mentioned, in Barrier 3, looks to get a, a really nice run for James McDonald. And even the two fillies from the autumn who were outstanding, five and the Golden Slipper winner and She's Extreme, um, they'll both, I thought, reasonable first start, but they love the wet tracks. And I think it's probably going to be more so a, a case of who's going to handle the wet conditions this week. Got a lot of rain forecast for this afternoon, uh, into tonight and then into tomorrow morning as well. So we'll be working with a rain-affected track. and it's going to bring those fillies right into play. Adams, Hugh Bowman had his suspension reduced. He has, Clarkie. Uh, 13 days down to seven on appeal yesterday for dropping his hands uh, in the weekend in the in George Main stakes there. On, oh, sorry, in the shorts on Boston running. Uh, probably getting close to a right decision. I know I was a little bit critical earlier in the week about the penalty. I thought it was probably far too severe. But again, the stewards did charge him, and Huey pleaded guilty. So they probably backed into the corner to a little bit, backed into a corner a little bit. The stewards, but I still thought that penalty, initial penalty, was far too severe. So he'll still miss out on the Golden Rose meeting this week, which is unfortunate for Hugh. He was booked to ride best of Bordeaux, so Casey Fogg will have to be searching for another jockey. She'll probably declare that a little bit uh, later today. But unfortunately for Hugh, he's going to miss the big Group 1 meeting on Saturday at Rose Hill. Why has this European import night endeavour been banned from Werribee uh, quarantine facilities, Adam? Yeah, it's a fascinating story, Loz. He was due to fly into Australia, probably should have arrived late last night, and had held some nominations for all the big races down there for the spring, including the Cups. The Racing Victoria vets have determined that before leaving uh, the UK and heading to Australia, he was uh, showing developing signs of lameness. They virtually considered him uh, unfit heading to Werribee quarantine, have to go to a separate quarantine facility, which means it's pretty much going to put his, his whole campaign in jeopardy. And Kieran Maher and David used to going to take over the, the, the training of the horse. The owners were just said, well, if that's going to be the case, we're just going to bypass Victoria. If he's right to go, we're going to bring him up to Sydney and try and race him in Sydney. So... Quite a fascinating story. Obviously, Racing Victoria got those strict protocols over there on all the horses they screen before they head into quarantine or head on the plane, head into quarantine down in Australia. He's one horse that probably won't be seen in Melbourne for the spring. What way are you learning this weekend, mate? Early yeah. doors for the finals. Uh, yeah, interesting question, Lars. I I think Cowboys Parramatta is a dead set toss of the coin, isn't it? I'm, I'm really struggling to break down that game. and I think Penrith are deserved favourites. I think they should be winning. I know Seattle's been on this great run and they got a lot of momentum at the moment. She's Penrith's just a machine, aren't they? Um, I can't see them really getting beat at this stage, unless Latrell has an 11 out of 10 game. I think the Panthers will qualify for the grand final. And the other game, I don't know, I could be swayed either way, to be honest, Loz. I'd probably... I'm like uh, you. Yeah. I'm like you. I've just looked at their last few games, the Cowboys, and I, 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 I thought Cowboys would be hard to beat. I still think they will be, but I've just looked at their run home. They've played the Dragons, the Dogs... They got beaten by the Roosters convincingly. Then they played the Warriors. Then they lost to South. Then they played a Penrith second grade side. And then they beat the Sharks first week of the finals, but they conceded 30. Yeah, and that form line hasn't stood up very well, has it? No, <laughs> no. Whereas you look at Parramatta, they've taken on some big teams. Penrith, Manly, Souths, uh, Storm, Penrith, 
Raiders in finals. So I, I don't know. I don't know which way I'm going. I'm probably mm. confusing myself here. No, I think you you've, might have found a bit of a nugget of gold there, Loz. False form, you're saying. False, for the yeah, it could be. Well, the Sharks mm. form was a bit inflated, wasn't it? Mm. Gentle, gentle on the Sharks. We know it's personal with you and them. Can you leave it, please? <laughs> They're already knocked out. You can let them just take a breath. Uh, I've ju- I've ju- I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> While you ponder that, we better get a best bet off Adam today. <laughs> uh, race six, number four, Dutch here, Savoy at Canterbury for me, Jared. Um, I thought she's been really good in two runs back so far. I think a deteriorating track won't hold her back uh, a little bit later this afternoon, given her races later on in the card. And I like the three-kilo claim for Zach Lloyd. Wide gate might be a little bit of an issue if they're getting off the fence later in the day, given the wet conditions. She might come right into play. So that's race six, number four, Duchy of Savoy. Duchy of Savoy is a $4.40 chance with Tab on the second line of betting. The favourite, Chalente, is it? Has been very heavily backed in that race. But uh, Adams with Duchy to beat it. By the way, for the Foxy Cleopatra fans out there, and there's many of us, mm, the um, it's uh, now been, uh, well, it's in for a race on, on Sunday, which is, now the Underwood Stakes is at Sandown, isn't it? Sunday, yes. There's no racing because of the well, grand the grand final. Final, but, but the, that's right, isn't it, Adam? They're yep. running yep. the Underwood at Sandown now. Yep. Foxy doesn't okay. do Sundays, mate. Well, no Foxy, well Foxy's in no for, race, for yeah. race two, a fourteen hundred meter race on Sunday. Yeah. Well, don't get too comfy She's there. Straight Fox, to the big carnival, mate. Fox is on the couch, mate, on Sunday. Straight to a Group One race day. <laughs> <laughs> What's the price for the Oaks, was? What's the price for the Oaks at the moment for Foxy? Oh, she was a hundred until I opened my big mouth. <laughs> 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 no, I don't. I, 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 I think she's about what twenty six bucks or something. Uh, VRC Oaks. Hang on, here we go. It is a twenty one dollar chance. Oh, twenty one bucks. <laughs> Jeez. Go to oh, Fox. Jeez. Mm. She hasn't won a race yet. She's firming. Oh, no. What do people do here? What do people do? So the traders are scared of me. Dicko's scared of me. As soon as I mentioned it, <laughs> he wound it in. Well, they they opened it at fifty one and. Mate, that was a good run. Well, straight away, what did I say to you on the text? Get to a mile next start. Mm. He's only opened at 50 to 1. Mm. 50 to 1, 21 I know some now. people have got 100. Um, all right. Oh, gee, someone's mm. really angry about your problem with the Sharks on the text line, so we better leave oh. it there, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> have a good day, boys. Hey,